0: Welcome to another episode of The Artsy Raven, a show about writing and
1: publishing with your host, J.F. Garrard. Welcome to another episode of The Artsy Raven. I'm your host, J.F. Garrard, and today we have our guest, Josh Williams. He's the comedian, producer, and simpleton on the podcasting path to enlightenment. Josh showed he was a natural when it came to the business of making people laugh by getting fired from dozens of jobs in his early 20s, and by beginning his comedy career with a Canadian Comedy Award nomination for Best Stand-Up Newcomer. Delight in his wild, irrelevant, and hilarious jokes at relationships, parenting, and everyday life in ways that leave audience howling with laughter. His wit is quick, sharp, and confident, with a s- deaf self-depreciating touch that lets his audience know he is having as much fun with them as they are with him. So welcome, Josh. I
0: love it. <laughs> I love how irreverent went to irrelevant. Oh, <laughs> like, sorry.
1: oh, oh no, sorry. No, that's okay. That's
0: it's I didn't equally, make up stuff. How's it. Equally, and you're like self-depreciating. <laughs> I'm like self-deprecating. That's okay. But it's funny. I think that's actually funnier because it's probably But you know, more accurate, part but... of it
1: is because I grew up reading a lot of books like i don't necessarily hear people say the words so then i just assumed or whatever and i see my son doing that now and i'm like oh gosh
0: it's so funny too because somebody else wrote my bio for me because i And it's weird for me to just sit here and like listen to praise and stuff of myself so i'm like Ugh. but it's just it's just funny yeah someone else wrote like can you write my bio for me i can't think of nice things to say about myself
1: oh my gosh so Part tell us a little bit about yourself and how come you decide to become a com- comedian? Like, how did you get to this point?
0: Uh, wow. Well, okay. Well, I've always liked making people laugh. I've always been a fan of stand-up comedy, but I never wanted to be a comic. I'm the last person in my life that ever wanted me to be a comedian. Um, my mother from a young age was like, oh, you're so funny. You should be a stand-up comedian. And I just, I, I was just one of those people who thought that like, being funny and being a stand-up comedian were not the same thing like you know what I mean like you know like clowns are not stand-up comics they're making children laugh and stuff but that's not stand-up comedy it's kind of like performance whatever so I didn't I didn't see how like making a group of my friends laugh was the same as like I I basically thought like sure I can be funny if somebody says something and I play off of that sure or my friends who know me and I do something silly whatever like I can make them laugh but I'm like can I walk up in front of a room full of people who don't know me who who aren't feeding me lines and just make them laugh and i thought no that's that's not what i can do luckily i I can thank thank the good lord there's a lot of people who really want to do it and can't which is sad but uh i've seen it firsthand right you see someone that's their first time tonight doing an amateur night or something you're like oh god i really hope they have something else to fall back on um But for me, it was just, I didn't want to. And then then there was a period of my life, I guess, where I was, uh, I was a little depressed. I was having a a health scare that I didn't tell anyone about. And I think it was just, it took me years to realize this at the time. I just thought my friends pressured me into it. But there was a period of time where like almost every night I was going to a a comedy show. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was working a day job I didn't love. Um, I was making good money, but I was just so unhappy. And I think part of me thought that I had something wrong with me, health wise, that like was the end. I didn't recognize that until the till years later. But I was like, I think I was using the comedy as an escape. And that was the moment where one of the comics was like, Hey, I'm seeing you guys. Me and my group of friends, we're seeing you guys at, at at shows a lot. Are you guys thinking to try and stand up? And all my friends were like, we want Josh to do it. We want Josh to do it. And, and eventually he was like, well, I run this little open mic. Maybe you should come and try. So I got like a date a month in advance. And it was like, it was like, there was enough people twisting my arm. That I'm fine. I'll go do this amateur thing. And that's how it started. But even then I was apprehensive and, and reluctant to do it. Was like,
1: it really scary to get up there for the first time and sort of tell your story or like, what was the audience like for your first night there?
0: First night it was in, uh, unfortunately the, the, the place is shut down now, but it was at the, uh, the Royal Oak on Laurier Street. There was a basement room that they had there that held, could hold about 40 people. And most of the time that open mic held about nine <laughs> people, <laughs> uh, mostly comics. But on that night, you know, then so many people of my life that, that were encouraging and that I tried to got, get together with a few different, you know, I invited some people there for my first time and they strategically put me on right before the last comic because Histori- and these are all things I've learned since being in business, but historically, people will come to see you and then promptly leave after you're set. Mm. So, in order to keep the audience there for the entire show, they put me on second to last. Very smart. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I can't, I have the footage of my first time. I can't watch it. I tried to play it for my girlfriend one time. So your wedding. <laughs> and I can't, I can't watch it. It's awful. It's awful. Uh, it's not, it went well, but it, but like, oh God, like, from where I was to where I am now, you're just like, oh, dude, what are you doing? I don't know. I I, I can't watch it. I have it. I I put the audio on a special edition of my podcast. I have uh, the stack of boxes behind me. I had some uh, collector's editions boxes that I did in honor of my 200th episode, which was uh, you know 10 episodes ago, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my my listeners bought these boxes, and in that special edition, there's these little uh, USB drives. That are included, so a little USB. Wow, drive.
1: Oh, a little that was really card. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like a credit card with a little sliding USB drive. On that USB drive is an exclusive episode for just people who bought the box, and on that episode is uh, is the audio from my very first time.
1: Ooh. Which very I didn't cool. even listen
0: to when I put it on there. <laughs> there, not listening, not listening.
1: Now I know you live in Ottawa, so is it an ideal place to start as a comedian?
0: It's, it's a really good comedy scene in Ottawa in terms of the talent pool. Uh, I don't know what it's about Ottawa. Ottawa breeds some really great, funny people. Uh, not, not all necessarily stand-up comedians, but, uh, I mean, Dan Aykroyd is from Ottawa. Um, Norm MacDonald is from Ottawa. Jeff, uh, sorry, Jeremy Hotz, John Doerr, Tom Green. Um, a lot of really, and uh, Mike McDonald, the late Mike McDonald. Um a lot of really good uh, Josh Williams. Uh a lot of, a lot of great comedians <laughs> have come from Ottawa. is a great, great, great place to start. It's very uh supportive comedy community. It's it's like anything else that's competitive. There's still the the it's one of those places where when you're all at the beginning, it's all very warm, which is nice. <laughs> of course. There's places where it's competitive right from the get-go, but it's yeah. one of those scenes where even though it's warm at the beginning, as soon as somebody starts to pull ahead of the pack. You feel the animosity. Daggers. You know, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, can you believe he's getting to?" It's like, but I always tell the new guys, I'm like, once you start to feel all of your friends kind of turning on you, mm-hmm. as much as it sucks, it's yeah. a good sign. It means that you're starting to <laughs> make it. It means you're doing well. Everyone loves you when you're not a threat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. So after your first sort of, um, uh, I guess, stand-up routine, then how did... How, like what happened next? Like you find an agent. Like how does it work? How do you pick
0: yourself out? <laughs> I still don't have any. I kind of do, I guess. Okay. I okay. Know. Yeah. Um, it's stand-up comedy works like uh, it's like an, a series of time. How much time do you have? So a lot of people go like, how do you get on late night or have like a Comedy Central special or something? The idea that, that with stand-up is is when you're new. Um, you end up doing open mics and things like that and the amateur night at the comedy club. So in Ottawa, there's Yuck Yucks and Absolute Comedy. And both of them, when they're open, of course, um, have amateur nights on Wednesdays. That's When I started, there was there was Wednesday nights at Yuck Yucks and Wednesday nights at Absolute Comedy. And you couldn't get on every Wednesday night. You were lucky, like every month they would book, so you'd email in. You, you didn't have to audition or anything. It was just like, I want a spot, I get six minutes on stage. Um, there were... A hundred and some comics and only 36 spots at the club. So you were lucky if you gone on every month. Mm -hmm. You were lucky. And that's like one spot a month, right? If you got on both both clubs in a month, you're like, oh my God, I just doubled my stage time in a month. I get to perform for 12 minutes this month. (laughs) The the thing that we always have to tell people is imagine trying to like imagine if you went to the gym and you worked out twice for six minutes a month like how long is it going to take for that muscle to get strong only doing it you know x amount of time so you'd have to either find an open mic that had a spot or build your own open mic approach a venue and say like hey can i run a show here once a month or once a week and anyways a, a lot of basically was like, like i remember uh driving to montreal to try to do that like a comedy club's open mic there which may get canceled if there wasn't enough people you know what i mean like performing for seven people oh, okay so like you're you're trying to get stage time and the whole idea is like you know i'm I'm just trying to keep working at the six minutes some open mics i did a i did a room in los angeles a few years ago um where i'm i'm who am i from canada i got my name and who i am got me a spot on the show but the show was still just a showcase of three minute sets my my friend dj Demers, who's done america's got talent was also on that show he got three minutes so You're doing shows at like different pacings, whatever, but but it's all about time. So the short answer, I guess for a standup comic when you're new is that like you get six minutes on an amateur show and you better do well with it, Mm -hmm. right? So the idea with developing as a comic is you basically do six minutes and have the owner see it do well. And then the next time you're on, you do six minutes and have the owner seem well. When you're new and you're doing a lot of the same shows as other comedians, you start to get this mentality like, well, I don't wanna keep doing the same jokes because all my, my peers are gonna think that I'm, that I'm lazy or that I don't have more than six minutes. The issue is, is that you have to keep doing that same six minutes because you're in front of different audiences and different people. And the only way to know that this material works consistently is to do it consistently and make sure that it works. Because what a club owner is looking for is like, okay, I've seen this guy perform this set four times. It works every time. Um, let's give him a shot as an opener on a weekend. You might not even get paid for it. You might just get that opening six minute spot. Mm-hmm. So when now that there's a paying audience expecting a pro show, right? Like if you're going to an amateur show, yeah. your expectations are amateur comedy.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: now that you're paying $20 a ticket and this is an all pro show, a general pro lineup in Canada is like your host, opening act, middle act, and then headliner. Right. And of course doing more time with each spot, right? Six minute opener, 20 minute middle, 45 minute headliner. So when you get an opportunity to do a weekend, now you're, you're performing in front of a crowd that has higher expectations. So will your material that you did hold up and you're getting to do it. The nice thing is you're doing it a little more consistently because now you're doing like Thursday, Friday, you know, usually two shows, Friday, two shows, Saturday, a Sunday night show. So now I get to perform my six minutes, six days in a row. You know what I mean? Like I, I've never been able to do that. I, I get like a spot here or there. So to be able to do it. And on that Friday show where you do an early show and then you're doing it again in a late show to be able to try something out. And if something didn't quite work, you can adjust and literally try it again, you know, an hour and a half from now is unbelievable. Um, so you're, you're banking time. That's really kind of how stand up works. If you do that weekend and it goes well, you're like, great. I got six minutes that I know works bank it back to amateur nights, work on another six minutes. You know what I mean? go through yeah. that process again and then all right i got that bank now i got 12 minutes bank another 6 well now i got 18 with a little bit of stuff i peppered in here maybe now i'll get an opportunity to, to be a feature act because i got 20 minutes that i can do but you always want a surplus right like if you if if someone says like that's the question that most bookers will ask you how much time do you have you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and the good idea is to always have more than what you're asked for so in order to be a good middle they're going to ask you to do you know 20 minutes well, you should have a good thir- like a 30 minutes of A material. That's the thing too. People say, yeah, how much A material? Yeah, that much B material? But it's just time. And of course, to bank these chunks of time, it's not like, oh, two weeks, I'll work on that. It's like, like I said, you get one, two spots a month. It's a long time before those club owners have seen those things work mm-hmm. consistently. So it can take years, but like everything else in our society nowadays, everybody wants like, I want to be an instant overnight yep. sensation because I put out one video that went viral. It's like, you gotta have that patience to be like it's a process. I'm building a body of work, you know. And of course, the more popular you get, you know, the more stuff works. Then you can, once you're doing these middle spots, you can throw a new joke in. You can workshop new stuff in a longer set because you've got strong stuff that'll bookend it. Mm-hmm. So you you get opportunities to work in new stuff as opposed to just trying it out in amateur nights and stuff. But that's what you see from guys like Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock and Lisa mm-hmm. Kane, and Dave Attell. Uh, Dave Dave Attell and Dave Chappelle, um, where they'll just jump in and do a spot at a comedy club in New York and they just do like a little five, 10 yeah, minute they're spot. Practicing. Yeah. Exactly. That's I got a new idea. I want to see if it's funny. I go in and work it out and there it is now. You know what I mean? Like okay, it worked or it didn't. Like you can I've I've watched pros, big names in these cities. Mm-hmm. Oh, they had a new idea. Mm-hmm. It wasn't funny. But they're not testing that stuff out on a special. They're testing yeah. it out live yeah. when the cameras aren't on.
1: You know well i'm sure even the pros like you say like they get out of practice right they, like if they have something new they want to see if it works or not before they yeah. do their netflix special to earn their millions so
0: netflix yeah. had signed some deal like there i don't know if they signed the deal but they were in talks with eddie murphy to like to to, to be the place that does his next special because he's going to come <laughs> out of retirement <laughs> guy hasn't done stand-up in what 30 years yeah you know yeah. What I mean? in a while he's yeah. gonna be rusty i watched ray romano Ray Romano put it a special. Oh yeah, he's is that.
1: What's about Raven? Is that a Raymond show? Or yeah, something about Raven. Raven. Something oh, about Raven.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody Raymond. About yeah, about Raymond. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> yeah, loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Uh And and he was a stand, and he's a good stand-up comic. He yeah. was really good. I watched all of his Just for Laughs stuff, or whatever. And he was a good comic. He just put in a special.
1: Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: Like it's been years since he's done it, uh, and it was kind of like, oh, you've been a while. And then Eddie Murphy's like thirty years. He did a, an episode of Comedians and Cars Giving Coffee with Seinfeld and he was talking about how, like, you know, he'd like to do it again, but he's just he's scared of the idea of going back. So it's like, yeah, he he had talent and he's a funny actor, mm-hmm. but but that's not the same as stand-up. Whereas guys like Robin Williams,
1: oh, you know, did Williams. movies and
0: stuff and still did stand-up, you know, yes. and he continued to yeah. do stand comedy. So yeah, Jim Carrey, great stand-up comic. Yeah. Got into movies, never did it again. Michael Keaton was a stand-up comic.
1: Yes, he was. And until, well, until Batman. I remember like reading about how no one believed he could be Batman and stuff like that. And, and well, he pulled
0: it off. I watched the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime, which is great if anyone wants mm-hmm. kind of an idea of stand-up, whatever. But um, it showed Michael Keaton doing his stand-up and stuff. And then he started to get like some roles in some little comedy yeah. movies. Over. But he got hired by Tim Burton to be Beetlejuice. Oh, yes, yes,
1: yes. So he, he played Beetlejuice. Go- and
0: that was a funny sort of goofy role. Mm-hmm. But I think because he worked with Tim Burton on Beetlejuice, when Tim Burton was doing Batman, it was kind of like, yes. that's, you know, what I mean, like he may never, but it was kind of like that showed that this this guy can be an actor. You yeah, know what I mean, there was other things too, but but yeah, for years it's like, oh, he was a comedian. Sure, I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> but that's where he started. I think it's oh, very it's hard
1: to come up with jokes to make people laugh. Like seriously, like like people think it's easy, but I think when you actually are on stage and you tell the story it looks easy but i think it coming up with the material i'm guessing is quite is is it it difficult for you or no you're giving me that look
0: So here's here's the here's the thing with stand-up comedy coming up with it is the easy part i think because we all here's the thing people wouldn't laugh at our jokes if they didn't understand if they couldn't relate and understand it Mm-hmm. So the idea is that everybody thinks of the funny thing. Just the vast majority of people, something comes in their head, they laugh, and it lets go. Or a situation happens. they laugh at it, and then that's it; they've forgotten about. It. Whereas a comic learns to go, "That's funny. I'm going to hang on to that and then showcase it," because every I, I tell people this all the time. I think I don't know if everyone has the capacity to be a stand up comic, but everyone has the capacity to be funny because mm-hmm. everybody has had that moment. Where they're like, "Oh my god, the funniest thing happened today," you know, and then they tell you the story. And then at the end, you know, no one laughs. They go, oh, I guess you had to be there. And I always say, no, it's not that I had to be there. It's that you didn't do a good enough job explaining to us what you found funny in that situation. Because the job of a stand-up comedian is not to come up with the funny. The funny is there. Our job is to make it relatable. Like, I found this funny. Now let me explain to you why I found that funny, which is why in stand-up comedy, there's so many similes and metaphors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this happened the other day, not laughing. That's like, and then they give an example and then everyone laughs because now they understand what they found funny about that situation. Like, for example, my friend, this is a small example, uh, and I hope it's not too inappropriate, but my my friend Dan Shackey in New York had this joke about how, why is it okay for gay guys to touch women's breasts? You know, they've got these girlfriends mm. and they're allowed to touch their breasts. <laughs> Why? Because they don't care. You know what I mean? It's like it's okay if they did it. Like, yeah. why? Because that's ridiculous to me. Like, why is it okay? That's like me going up to somebody and putting my hands around their neck and going, Oh, I can do this. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a murderer. <laughs> I just want all the murderers in the room to be jealous. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you don't get what he's saying until he uses the metaphor of like, oh, I just want the murderers to be jealous because I can do it and they can't. Like, you know, I I so it's little things like that. Things happen in life all the time. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy was saying that too. It's just like comedians learn to like grab that thing and we polish it and we, we turn it over and go, Hey everybody, you know, what about this? And then everyone laughs because everybody in that moment goes, I've, I've thought that same thing. You know what I mean? So we, we don't come up, we, some of us do, there are little clever things that we come up with at times, but I think that the, the most work for standup comedy is I've got this idea that I think is funny. Now, how do I explain to everybody else what I found funny about it? That's the work of a comic. So, you know, I've got all sorts of notes and ideas and things like this written on my desk. that I'm like, I, I think it's hilarious.
1: But <laughs> I a don't know how to explain it yet. Yeah, yeah. there's a little
0: post post-it all
1: over the place.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I, I just, as a small, I'll give you one right off my thing here. I've got okay. one where I talk about pitting my insecurities against myself. Or my are my flaws, sorry, pitting my flaws against themselves, right? Like my insecurity versus my, my laziness. You know what I mean? Like I'm so insecure about how I look, but I'm too lazy to go work out. So it's like, which one's going to win? Like just, just like, but that's in and of it. So that's just kind of the idea so far. But it's not—it's not a ton of. I just think it's funny where I'm like, oh, you know, I should work out. I really don't like how I look and how I, you know, I'm overweight, and then I'm like, yeah, but I don't really feel
1: like. It's okay. You can just print out a six pack, 3D six pack, and just put it. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'll get a (laughs) a, a, a real convincing T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's just—it's just funny, you know. Uh, But
1: depends. Like, if you want to be an actor, and I think for acting, you're selling your body and your acting abilities then i think you know your physical appearance is probably more important because it depends on the role like if you're going to be a superhero right then you're gonna have to (laughs) get those six back if you're not yeah you know and it's okay
0: yeah and that's the thing is like i i I don't like a lot of people will use stand-up comedy as a stepping stone to something else that's not that's not my end game uh Mm -hmm. in fact you're seeing a lot of celebrities prior to the pandemic a lot of everything i'm talking about is prior to the pandemic just to, to preface it but celebrities starting to do stand-up comedy just to try to be relevant again and to try to be seen out Mm -hmm. doing things and and be talked about but it's just a it's an it's not you know they're using it as a platform to get there's a lot of new people who nobody knows Mm -hmm. just just i want to get into stand-up comedy because i figure maybe it'll help me propel into acting or something it's like i like doing stand-up comedy because i like doing stand-up comedy if something else comes from i've got acting gigs and stuff but i i i want to do stand-up comedy that's what i want to do that's
1: what. what is it your day-to-day like like your this is your full time gig. So I'm just curious, like you spend half the time writing or do you go around making wish fun I did. of people?
0: I wish I, did. <laughs> okay. I can lie to your audience and talk about this great work ethic
1: that I have. Actually, okay. you have an article with the Ottawa Sun or something about driving Uber, so you know your covers are already blown. So
0: if you yeah, if you if you <laughs> google josh williams comedian the amount of people have said like oh yeah we're trying to find a bio or something we found your uber article I'm like yeah. oh, i'm more famous for being an uber driver in ottawa which i haven't done in like more than two years you know <laughs> i'm like so that's that's what i'm known for i'm the, the the they call it i think they said the the comedy cab or whatever i'm like oh for the love of god like that's... <laughs> i was trying to i did that article because uber was trying to get regulated This was before they were regulated. They were trying to get regulated in Ottawa. And I went to speak for them on, you know, they asked me like, hey, you know, you're charismatic and and, and articulate. Come speak at City Hall on behalf. And I sat there all day long. And I had to do a show in Montreal that night. And all day they hadn't called on any of the Uber drivers. So they actually let me go. Uh, I had to leave without ever speaking. So I never even did what they wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh but that article still existed. And it's like, hey, Yeah, because I, <laughs> I was trying to find your bio. I
1: was trying to find your bio and I was like, oh he's an Uber driver. <laughs> but it's Believe okay. It. When oh, you Google it. me, you'll find an article about Presto Machine overcharging me. So oh, that, really there's my like 15 seconds of fame.
0: It's yeah. like the internet just, just trying to destroy us. You do that little <laughs> ego search and it's like you this. For me, it would just be like, it would just be me like one of those horrible stock photos, like a fat guy outside a hot dog cart, and it's the, the hot dogs falling out of the bun. And it's like, that's my, my public <laughs> shot. And comedian Josh Williams, senior, I'm like, I didn't even do that. How did they
1: make that happen? Oh my God.
0: Stock, stock photo is just something horrible.
1: <laughs> but you have a podcast, so you're one man show. So I why do. did you decide to do your giant, well, you know, it's a podcast with hundreds of episodes and lots of thousands of followers so you know everyone should listen to that. but well, um, you know i them.
0: woke up one day and read my horoscope and it's like today girl <laughs> you are gonna start a podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <that's, laughs> um i worked with a, a comedian that i i like and have a ton of respect for and who's now a dear friend um my my friend paul verzi uh he has a podcast uh he's the guy who opens for bill burr um if if you don't know who bill burr is I can't help you. He's one of the most, probably one of the biggest working comics in the world right now. Um, but, uh, oh, so he, yeah, it's, uh, he's, he's the creator of F is for family on Netflix, which just coincidentally it's written and everything in Los Angeles and it's animated right here in Ottawa at a, at a company called oh. big jump. Yeah. So um, I've got friends who, who work on that show. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so I was working with Verzi and we happened to be in Ottawa doing shows. And after every show, people would approach him. He has never, he had never done comedy clubs in Ottawa before he had done theaters opening for Burr, uh, in Canada before, but had never done comedy clubs in Canada. I brought him up here. We worked together for the week. Um, and after every show, people were coming up saying, Hey, we heard on the podcast that you were going to be here. So they, they didn't know anything about absolute comedy or they, they weren't like, Hey, we just came, they came because they heard on his podcast that he was going to be there a guy who'd wow. never performed in Canada in comedy clubs, wow. and uh, I was like, "This is crazy." And then we worked together in Toronto a few months later. Same thing. People were coming to see a show because they heard the podcast. People were coming from out of town who'd never ever heard of the comedy club. Just we heard you were going to be here. We went and bought tickets. Here we are. We listen to your podcast, and he was just saying to me, "He's like, dude, any comic who's doing a a, a you know stand up comedy right now who's not doing a podcast is is wasting a big opportunity." because there's fans that want to know what's going on with you. They like you, they connect with you and they'll, they'll come see you once a year when you're in town, but the ones who listen to your podcast, it's like they're with you every week and they're invested in who you are as a person. And they, they like hearing what's going on with you. They feel like they're getting the inside scoop with somebody that they, they really like. And so um i i just after those those weeks just went like this this guy doesn't even live here and look at the the crowd that's that he's drawing just from his podcast so i was like i i i felt late to the party four years ago i just last week was the four-year anniversary of my podcast oh
1: congratulations Um, thank
0: you that's very kind Uh, if i was
1: in ottawa i'd bake you a cake but i'm not oh that's
0: so sweet next Uh, time
1: i come to ottawa
0: no. Fair. I will. I will definitely let you know when I'm coming to Toronto. I'll be like, okay, I, okay. Cool. I love baking. I can't do it myself, but uh, not to give you a task. Normally, I would say, oh, that's not necessary. But baking, I'm like, all right. <laughs> right. But yeah, four years. Uh, four years. I was like, wow, it, it hasn't seemed that long. Um, yeah. But I decided to start it, and I, I got the advice from them to do a single person podcast because um, I was like, yeah, I don't really know. Like, I would like to do the same thing as you guys, where it's just kind of giving the fans the inside scoop. You know, it's kind of like, honestly, the best way to describe it is it's sort of like my, uh, my public journal, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Here's what's going on with me personally, professionally, things I'm working on, things that are upsetting, things that are, you know, I'm celebrating, whatever it is, even just dumb thoughts that I'm having that week. Hey guys, what do you think? Wouldn't this be a funny kind of, but, uh, but they encouraged me to, uh, Paul, Paul and, and also Burr uh, in a different conversation encouraged me to do a podcast with just one person because they said that way you're not. You're not handcuffed to anybody else's schedule. Um, it's easier to kind of do it wherever you are because it's less equipment to bring. And then if you have a guest, it's, um, it's a pleasant surprise, not an expectation. So people have, have given me uh, crap for, for, you know, why is it called the one man podcast? And then you've got these bonus episodes and you've got guests. Sometimes I'm like, what's the one man is me. That's, that's you know, that's what we're going to be talking about in the regular episodes. And then if I have a bonus episode, that one man or woman is that person. That's what yeah. it means. But it's just, I was just surprised. I didn't know it. I'm like, what do I call this? This one man podcast. And then I do what I always do is when I come up with an idea for a name is I I Google the URL to see if it's available yeah. and one man podcast.com was available. So I was like, and easy decision. So,
1: and it's easy okay. to remember when someone's like,
0: what's the name of your podcast? One man podcast. Easy. <laughs> very, very easy.
1: Cool. And I know you use, you use Podbean. I guess you upload, you record your episodes, you do your editing and you upload all by yourself.
0: I do. I, I watched, I spent a month, a month prior to my first episode, like meticulously, like I have anxiety. Um, I, I didn't think I did for most of my life because to me, anxiety meant like panic attacks and I don't, I don't get panic attacks. I get, I'm just in a constant state of unease, Mm -hmm. like, you know, something, something wrong could happen. And if I don't have every I dotted and T crossed and everything is all set and I don't understand the process start to finish, Immaculately, then I'm going to make a mistake and I'm going to mess up. Um, So I I just remember like I was watching YouTube videos and I'm like, okay, I, I bought the recorder that I saw in a video because the person was saying, like, hey, if you record on a recorder and make sure you use headphones, because, you know, sometimes people will try to record on Skype or record on Zoom and, you know, and you're, you can hear the person, but what you don't realize is your recording software in the background stopped recording the audio halfway through. And because you couldn't hear it, you didn't know what happened and da-da-da. So all these different things, I bought all the stuff I was told to and all the different, I followed the setup to the letter. And um, I just made sure, it was, I'm not a very techie guy. So I'm like, I need to know everything that was there. And, and what's an RSS feed? And I couldn't seem to get a straight answer of what the hell an RSS feed. But if you go with Podbean, which was what Verzi used, he recommended. And I'm like, good enough. I'm not, I don't know why I need to go shop the market when you do it and you say it's easy. You hit record and then save. Cool. So I, I record on a recorder and it's quite literally like dragging and dropping a file onto my computer afterwards. Um, initially, I bought like apps and things on my phone because I didn't want to have to do any post-production. The idea of doing yeah. post-production was scary to me. So I have intro music that I have from a, a uh, Juno award winning blues band monkey junk. I went to high school Glebe.
1: With, yeah. uh, Glebe Steve seems Mariner. to produce a lot of producers and uh, a yeah. lot of famous musicians.
0: Yeah. And stuff, like Al- Alanis was from there and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. Alanis, Alanis went to Glebe. Um, Tom Cruise did a, a, a year at Lisger. What? Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise did a year at Lisger. Yeah, our, okay. our rival. Okay. But uh but yeah, um, Steve Steve Mariner, lead singer of Monkey Junk, uh, he uh, I, I reached out to them. I was like, you guys are great. Do you guys have any like music that I would be able to use? Like, oh, there's a song I'd love to. They said yes, I've got the license for it. Amazing, amazing, uh, amazing band. So I I took like the music and I took uh, kind of like the, the, the setup and I I imported all these files onto my iPad. Like I think the app was called iJingle and it would just be like buttons on the iPad. So I would like set up the iPad with a cord that was plugged into the recorder. My microphone was plugged in the recorder. And so what I would do is just literally like I'd hit record on the recorder, tap the intro music, it plays, hey, it's me, yada, 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 yada. And then at the end, tap the rest of the song to outro. And I would just wait for it to finish. And then I'd hit stop on the recorder. And then there'd be like a one mix down button. And now the file's all there, all the sound effects. I had uh, partners with bathroom re- the Uncle John's Bathroom Readers, which I, I worked on editing a little toilet flush sound. So that before I read it, it was like, hey, Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. But I would tap the thing. I would tap any ad that I had made or whatever so that it was like I didn't have to go in and do post-production. But then once I started to do uh, a phonic and then I had to do some episodes, like I, I don't even edit my podcast. Like, I I have only, like, two years in, maybe even longer, I learned how to hit pause on my recorder if Mm -hmm. I need to pop and take a break or answer the phone. Yeah. Because before, it would be, like, hit play, talk for an hour to two hours straight, right? I'd have to constantly slip, sip on something or drink from my coffee cup because my voice would get dry from just
1: yak, 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 So, So after doing the podcast for so long, have you ever encountered any trolls on social media
0: at all more yeah. other other comedians and stuff oh okay one of the name like oh yes the one-man podcast where there's guests like little just yeah more snide yeah. remarks there's people who posted on youtube like hey i love listening to your podcast to fall asleep to, and i was like
1: oh that's Maybe. mean
0: i'm like i assume they're like no you have a very soothing voice and you're, you're <laughs> i was like okay yeah I don't, I don't care if I get the, the view from it. Fine. Yeah. Listen, if I, whatever I'm doing to help you me, it's yeah. free therapy. I talk to the wall. I get the, the stuff off yeah. my chest. And then okay. uh, if I can help you fall asleep, if I'm an ASMR type thing for you, then.
1: So what else are you working on right now? I guess looking for more. Hey,
0: great question. Sad <laughs> answer. Uh, <laughs> not much. Not
1: okay. much.
0: I uh, no, <laughs> it's like what am I working on? I slowly move the knife. Oh right. yeah, oh, don't no, do no, that. No. Um, no, it's not. I'm doing well. Uh, I I'm good. Um, okay. as you I've got I've, I've got my coffee surplus here. My Nespresso capsules are well stocked, so I'm I'm good. Um, I I'm I'm working on on really right now. The podcast is kind of my primary thing. Mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of comedians and entertainment types doing podcast. Uh, look, I'm not on cameo, so I'm not suffering. You know what I mean? Like, I'm seeing a lot of former actors and people of interest on Cameo. Hey, I'll say happy birthday for five bucks. Yeah, God, I'm, I'm dying here. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So I'm like, no, I'm I'm not suffering.
1: Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. uh I think
0: I, I'm working <laughs> what, on If I plot. give you ten bucks,
1: you don't want to do it? No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> oh, I would totally do it. Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> just not, I'm just not putting it out there that I would yeah. do it on Cameo because like, oh, yeah. oh, comics are the worst. Like, tearing each other down, it's it's like, you know, ball busting or whatever you want to call it, but there's some of it is, is not good natured. If you call them on it, they'll, they oh no, we're just kidding. It's like, no, nah, I don't think you were. I think you were shitting on the effort. There's people out there, forgive me. I, can we?
1: is that- No, is there's that, like a line, right? Like they want to be edgy, but then there's also like, you can cross it quite easily as well. So you have to be careful sometimes.
0: It's, it's one of those things too, where I find that there's a lot of people like stand-up comics were self-employed, right? Mm-hmm. So- the idea is that like, yeah, I can work or I can sit around and do nothing in terms of writing stand-up, It's, uh, non-existent only because when you get an idea for a joke and you're writing it, like it's not a joke until you've done it in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. It's just an idea. I I think this is funny, but I have no way of knowing it's funny until I say it. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny, but the comedy clubs are closed. So it's hard to like put a lot, it'd be like trying to, I don't know why I always use the gym as an example. Clearly. I don't know anything about the gym, but It's like trying to create a workout plan for yourself and then being like, you know, every day you're like, Oh, I want to make it better. And that's what we did. It's like, and then then there's no, there's no gym to work out in. So like, well, what's my hurry creating this workout plan if I can't work out? You know what I mean? So I'll just put it aside. What can I work on? And I'm doing interviews with the podcast and I'm reading books to review and yeah. I'm watching a lot of movies. Like my, po- like my podcast is, hey, here's what's happened to me this week. It quickly turned into, here's the video games I was playing and the books that <laughs> yeah. I had with me and the movies and TV shows I was watching and the weird, stupid, isolated thoughts that I had. So. Okay. Yeah. It's starting. The, 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 I'm introducing some new uh, segments that are getting a little traction with the audience. The onesies, as I call my <laughs> audience.
1: You know, when you say that, it reminds me of, like, the onesies that were wear.
0: Oh. Yeah, yeah, they, they, uh, I, I put it to the, the listeners, what do you guys want to be called, you know, what do you guys want to be called, you know, what's, what's the name, submit some ideas, and somebody submitted onesies. somebody submitted a few things, but onesies was one of them, and I was like, I like Onesies, uh, my my uh, my girlfriend and I, we used to wear onesies around the house. That was cute. She used to call me uh, monkey. Was the was the nickname she gave me? So she bought me a monkey onesie that I had had a tail in the hood with the ears and everything like that. So onesies were a cute little thing. And around the same time, you know, uh, yeah, it was like this. And the audience was like onesies. I'm like just that it, it resonated with me. But the audience also thought it was is very cute and adorable too. So I guys submit the ideas and then guys here's the finalists what do you think and onesies was the 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 selected one and now i don't even think of the pajamas anymore it's just that's my list yeah
1: it's just your your audience right yeah when i came up with the artsy raven i think one of my friends said you're gonna be the exhausted pigeon by one week and i was like very funny but you know i'm okay um but all right i think we have to wrap up so where can people um find your show and you
0: you can find the podcast. It's it's on just about every streaming platform. I keep finding new platforms that I didn't even know existed that are carrying it for some reason. So I think that's one of the benefits of Podbean is that it uh, it will also submit it elsewhere for you. But Apple Podcast, Spotify, it's on, I put it on YouTube, but it's just a static image, so you can hear it there. Um, yeah one man podcast.com you can find it a uh, deal i have with my listeners uh you can send me an email contact at one man podcast.com if you send the email i read it on the podcast it's as simple as that doesn't matter what it is i will read it try not to send anything horrible or hateful um but it's still a deal you send it i'll read it and go this was not me this was this person Try not to give a platform to the awful but uh yeah that's and it's and there's one that comes out every week we just did a an interview you and i so yeah at, uh, check out that episode guys that's available uh friday when does this one come out um august <laughs> august okay so <laughs> when this comes out guys her episode's already been out it's available so just look it up just yeah. google the after our right. podcast you can find it wherever you consume things
1: okay well thank you very much for uh being on the show so um I'll talk to you again soon, I hope.
0: Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, bye.
1: For more upcoming episodes of the Art Sea Raven about writing and publishing, visit us at jfgarar.com slash AR A reminder to Patreon subscribers that there's bonus content available for every episode on the Patreon website. If you enjoyed the show, you can show your appreciation by buying us some digital coffee. The Artsy Raven is produced by J.F. Garrard, the voice in the show's introduction is Chris Gorman, and music is by Tim Moore. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe.